This is a podcast by The Straits Times and Money FM 89.3. Time to put the spotlight on China now. Yes, from the US trying to forge a united front against China in our region to investors' new habits when investing in China. To give us an analysis of these headlines and more, we're joined now by Tan Donway, China Bureau Chief at The Straits Times. Good morning, Don. Don, the Biden administration, represented by Secretary of State Anthony Blinken, will seek to bolster economic and security cooperation with Southeast Asia through a visit to the region this week. Uh, It's working to forge a united front against China in the Indo-Pacific. So talk to us, Don, about China's reaction to all of this. To what extent can we expect nations in this region as well to be swayed by U.S.'s efforts to go against China? Hi, good morning. So, Mr. Blinken is making a quick tour of the region to shore up relations as Southeast Asia becomes more strategically important to both the U.S. and China in their growing rivalry. So, as Mr. Blinken tries to get the ASEAN states on his side, China has been doing the same. Foreign Minister Wang Yi has made at least two trips to Southeast Asia this year, despite the COVID outbreak. And President Xi Jinping also recently in his special summit with the ASEAN leaders to mark 30 years of dialogue relations, also handed out goodies like vaccines and funds to support ASEAN's COVID response. China is, of course, not happy that Mr. Blinken is visiting. It has never liked the idea of U.S. presence in its own backyard, and I suppose you could argue understandably so. China's state media has framed the visit as an attempt by the U.S. to swing the Southeast Asian states to its side, but that the U.S. will fail in this because these countries all want to stay neutral. But of course, it's not as simple as that. While the Southeast Asian countries see the importance of U.S. presence in the region to balance China, especially with continuing territorial disputes in the South China Sea, it also has concerns over U.S. motives and its security cooperation, such as the Quad and AUKUS, with the likes of Japan, India, Australia and the U.K., and also the U.S.'s level of engagement with the region, which suffered during the Trump administration. This podcast is available on our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Like us and rate us. And now, back to our podcast episode. Now, Don, let's turn our attention to the investment climate in China. Before the pandemic, investing in luxury stocks and Chinese internet giants, people like Alibaba and Tencent, a surefire way of tapping into the world's largest consumer base. And then midway through the pandemic, we saw a regulatory crackdown in China. And that changed everything. Uh, that's true. Um, Don, how has investors' way of investing in China changed over the past few months? I mean, are we seeing any trends when it comes to investors' movement? Uh, any clues as for where investors can invest in, uh, you know, in President Xi's uh, new China in that sense? With President Xi's common prosperity drive, which aims to narrow the income and wealth gap in the country, and a series of clampdowns on its tech giants and also the private tutoring industry, there seems quite a concerted effort to move away from lavish lifestyles or those promoting social ills or excesses to anything that is much more aligned with the national goals, which are much more focused on stability, 
sustainability and key industries that will be game changers for China. So investors could look out for companies that have much more mass appeal rather than just catering to the wealthy. Also, there is a discernible trend here of consumers increasingly supporting Chinese brands over foreign brands. And as China tries to fulfill its climate pledges and transition to cleaner energy sources, such as renewables, stocks in green technology companies will likely grow in value, as will companies building new energy vehicles, developing artificial intelligence and robotics, new materials, medical devices and medicine, all of which are industries that China wants to foster and develop self-reliance in. We're on the line with Tan Donwei, China Beer Chief for the Straits Times. Uh, final question, Don. Two sources have told Reuters that Chinese artificial intelligence startup SenseTime Group will withdraw and postpone its $767 million US dollar Hong Kong IPO yesterday and update its prospectus after being placed on a US investment blacklist. Mm, uh, to what extent is this justified, them being placed on this blacklist? And would postponing their plans for a Hong Kong IPO perhaps be a wise decision for them at this point, considering what's happened? So SenseTime is an AI company whose facial recognition technology has been used by the Chinese government in Xinjiang for surveillance. In 2019, it was blacklisted by the US government for what it said was its involvement in human rights violations. Last week, it was again sanctioned by the US, which has banned US investments into the company. The U.S. said its facial recognition technology could determine a person's ethnicity with a particular focus on identifying ethnic Uyghurs. SenseTime has denied any wrongdoing and said the accusations are unfounded. After postponing its Hong Kong listing, SenseTime says it remains committed to completing its IPO, but it needed to amend its prospectus to reflect the latest U.S. sanction. It didn't say when it would try again, only saying it would be soon. It had planned to raise $767 million from its Hong Kong IPO, and that is already down from what it thought could have been a $2 billion listing earlier this year. There are expectations that even if it manages to list after updating its prospectus, investors may not bite, and that would affect its performance. We've been speaking with Tan Donwei, China Bureau Chief at The Straits Times. The Asian Insider Podcast channel is also available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Like us and rate us.